1: Alright, so here we are. 0-7. No, not a score. That is a record of our favorite NFL franchise. My name is Matt Minnick. This is Bengals Chalk Talk here on Orange and Black Insider. Not a lot good going on right now. Uh, 0-7. Not much to to feel excited about. Injuries mounting uh, as they seem to every single year, but... It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, when they were healthy, they weren't. They weren't winning it either. So, um, definitely some some disappointing things. And uh, we'll briefly touch on last week's game. Uh, but what do we do here? We, you know, we, we we break down film. We get cranking on next week. Um, you know, we, we take the Fido approach. You know, forget it. Drive on. It's um, not actually forget it, but you can figure that out for yourself. Like to keep, uh, like to keep my rating here, uh, but you know, you got to move on. You got to make a plan to win, and uh, you know that's uh, that's how I look at things. Uh, so that's that's what we're gonna we're gonna do is is move on and look at it. But first, let's take a look back at something that stood out to me as just being absolutely ugly uh, in last week's game against the Jaguars, and and this is early in the game, so the Jags got the ball right away and. They drove the ball down the field. Um, now I've talked about this before, so and don't get me wrong. The Bengals defense isn't good. All right, the, the, they've got some problems. Uh, I think both schematically and personnel-wise, um, they've got issues. However, um, this is a team that this is a defense that really knows how to compete. You know, and and they can they can fight and, and they step up in situations. Um, they keep this team in games. Um, and if this offense was, was doing a little bit more for them, um, we could be in, in a different position here, uh, which is, you know, you hire young offensive coach, you think you're going to get something out of the offense, and that's neither here nor there. We'll uh, talk about, we'll talk about uh, some of that next week, a little foreshadowing, as we, uh, in the bye week, uh, start talking about quarterbacks. But right now we're going to talk about, and uh, Jaguars get the ball, drive down the field, they get down to the one-yard line. And they got absolutely stuffed. All right. So the Bengals defense, you know, Bengals defense really uh clamped down on them. They did a did a good job with this. That, you know, they uh after giving up a, a drive that went down the field, um, you know, they got to fourth and one, and this is a defense that is bad at stopping the run. Uh and Leonard Fournette is a good running back, uh, you know, especially in a short yard situation. Um, he's a guy that can make some plays as we talked about last week. So uh, fourth and one and uh, they give the ball to Leonard Fournette and the Bengals stuffed it, Uh, you know, to their credit, they did a great job. uh, And, you know, this, I mean, honestly, a goal line stand is one of the, one of the most exciting, one of the more impressive things uh, in football, when you can shut down a team like that, uh, just be really physical with them. So Bengals get the ball back now first and ten one yard line uh, Dalton sneaks pretty standard thing to do down there they get to second and six and uh, you know Dalton throws a short pass uh, not quite for a first down that puts them in third and one uh, on the 10 yard line trying to keep this drive alive you know trying to really take some of that momentum that they stole with that goal line stop uh, here on the first drive and and do something with it Uh, And they come out, and they run the ball with Mixon. Now, let's take a look at that play. Uh, They came out, they motioned into a bunch formation, and they tossed it. Now, I get that people don't like the play call. I don't love it myself. But, you know, like, it it can work sometimes. I'm I'm, I'm not the type to say, well, you never want to do this in that situation. You know, I I, I do think that there can be reasons – you know, especially if you're looking at, at leverage of things, uh, that something like that can be successful. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, it was a short yardage situation. Um, you know, the the, the, the Jays uh, came out in the defense where, you know, they did have a number of guys in the box, um, but to be able to, you know, for mixing their run straight in the, the A-gap, get, uh, uh, get one yard before the linebacker got there, you know, that seems – a lot more possible than than working the toss play uh to the edge or even Dalton taking it again um you know how easy would be for Dalton uh when they have an a gap wide open uh for Dalton just to pick up a single yard they already ran one sneak earlier but they're not taking it away here uh you know smartly the Jaguars weren't taking it away in this situation so yeah I mean doesn't make you know don't let the play call uh, let's put it that way, uh, but you know, also the the design and the execution are really something that that I question as well. So um, it was uh, you know Dalton under center. Uh, they have got one receiver split wide to the right, uh, and then they motion uh, CJ Uzama over to get into a bunch um, with Dalton under center and Mixon behind him. Uh, so Uzama is the number three receiver in the bunch, so the tightest receiver in the bunch. Um, On the line of scrimmage, the number two receiver is Tyler Boyd. And then outside of him, off the ball, is Alex Erickson uh, as the number one receiver. So you think about it. Now, you're trying to hit the edge, okay? So you're trying to hit the edge. Who are the most important players to block? Obviously, you've got the corner out there. He's not really a run-first player, but he's the farthest, wisest guy out there. He's got to be accounted for. He's got to be blocked. Uh, You've got a defensive end standing up uh, inside of the bunch. You've got a really a nickel guy. Um, or uh, possibly safety, but you got a defensive back anyway, an invert player uh, down there uh, who is on that edge as well. Uh, you've got a linebacker who's cheated pretty far over to that side, really both linebackers you've got to account for. Um, now the only other player left on that side of the formation is the nose tackle, um, but you're really, you know, like on a toss play, you're, you're definitely not expecting that guy to make the play. Uh, so how are they going to account for the, these guys? What are they going to do? So, you know, first things first, starting with the corner. Uh, what they do with the corner? They've got Uzama takes a wide path out and gets a body on him. All right, now he's kind of pushing him. The guy does work up field. Uh, you know, this is a block that could be effective, uh, might be enough, uh, but certainly not a very good block there for for uh, Uzama. uh The number one receiver, Erickson, blocks down on that invert player. All right, that rock down deep at the back, like I was talking about. All right, and he cracks down on him from a short distance. Look look at his his knees going up in the air. I mean, he's he's one of their smaller receivers. I mean, this is a corner, so it should be a fine matchup physically. But, man, he is just on skates getting pushed back. And, you know, I mean, he ends up getting knocked over somebody too. But, man, like he's just getting pushed around out there, uh, not looking pretty. There for Alex Erickson. Uh and then the number two receiver blocks down on the defensive end, cracks on the defensive end. That's Tyler Boyd. Again, doesn't do a very good job. He actually like kind of sets for it. Um, like, I, you know, it's not a running crack block. You, you can't really do stuff like that anymore. But it's it, it's still a crack block, and he kind of sets almost like he's pass setting. Um, and this is the exact opposite. I mean, you got to hit this guy right in the side. And you got to get him down. You can't allow penetration, and he gives a major penetration. All right, uh, and really gets in the way of John Jerry, who's pulling around to the edge. So, you know, bad job there too. That needed to be a better block. Like I said, he's setting for it. Just, just step right at him. Step right at him. Hit him. Throw off his momentum. Don't let him take a step up field. Uh, and they're messing that up. Um, Now, on the offensive line, uh, as I said, John Jerry, he's pulling out around. He ends up having to uh, kind of loop and go deep uh, as he comes around. uh, Billy Price kind of releases like he's releasing just like like a normal, you know, not not pulling out, just releases up to linebacker depth. And he's heading out wide here for that outside backer. Um, Now... Like that should really be Jerry's guy. Uh, you know, as we say, we've already got the, the corner out of the screen. Um, he, he's addressed. Um, the, this guy, the, the invert, uh, you know, cracked on, defense cracked on. So the next guy really is the backer. Jerry's a wider player and he's pulling around. It makes a lot more sense for him to be the guy who's going to block that. Instead, Price is taking that angle. Uh, you, you know, is that a mistake by Price? Should he have been going for the inside backer? That would make more sense to me, uh, but there's no way of really knowing because uh, Jerry is so thrown off that you don't know if that's what he was going for. He's just so thrown off by the, by the penetration on the, on the front there, um, and he does end up picking that guy up. Um, so the last guy left is is that nose. All right. And, and, you know, I use the term nose tackle and it's, I'm not strictly referring to a zero technique in a three, four. I like think some people use it that way. Uh, but anybody, you know, I, I can refer to a nose tackle as anybody who's lined up really between the guards. Uh, so this guy's actually, uh, you know, one technique uh, on Hopkins uh, and they're asking Hopkins to block him, which you wouldn't think would be that big of a deal uh, with it being an outside run. Uh, but, you know, guess what? Guess who's going to make the play? It's that guy. You know, things get so messed up, and they lose three yards on this play. On third and one, they have to punt out of their own end zone. I mean, so it's, it's pretty ridiculous overall. And and here's the, here's the issue, too. So we're seeing this awful, awful execution uh, all around here. Um, but I also think what these three players are doing doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, as I kind of talked about before, you know, the players who need to be accounted for here – are the two linebackers, right? The two linebackers and that defensive tackle. Um, You know, if you've got Jerry uh, pulling around, he should be pulling out and and blocking the widest guy. Um, I don't understand why Billy Price is working up to a backer. To me, it's a, you know... um, you know, you want him blocking down and just pull your center around, pull Hopkins around. You know, he used to be a guard. He can do that. Um, this isn't a shotgun snap or anything. You might know, think it's a little easier uh, from under center, actually, to be able to kind of do that. Corbett gets out of there. You know, you, you're fine. Ball security is much of an issue. So it's a pin and pull scenario where Price should block down on that guy. They'll take care of him. And there's no way that guy's making the tackle then if they do it this way. And then um, uh, they could take Hopkins. And loop him around, pull him around up to that backer. That's going to be a much better play. That play makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, the angles are better. It's more sound. Um, you know, you still have we had poor execution. The receivers are really screwing, screwing things up uh, on the edges. We talked about, uh, but that's that's a much better look if they do it that way. All right, so let's be done with that unpleasantness and move on to the uh, to the next unpleasantness. Uh the Los Angeles Rams, not the Rams they used to be. Uh so definitely having some struggles this year. And today we're gonna to specifically focus on their run game. Uh Todd Gurley has had some major ups and downs this year. Uh first week was very good, second week was pretty good, uh, and then he has you know continuously dropped off. And last week, uh, you know, he was he was well under two yard or well under three yards per carry against the Atlanta Falcons, you know, not not a team you really think of that's going to shut down Ty Gurley by any stretch. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, some of the problems uh, that they've had and also the successes they had, take a look at some, some uh, plays from that game uh, and, you know, talk about, you know, these things the Bengals can do because uh, at the end of the day, you know, something's going to give here. The Rams have struggled running the ball. The Bengals have really struggled running the ball. Uh, it's another story, but um, but, you know, the Bengals have been bad as a rush defense. They have not been able to stop the run very well. Uh, so how can they stop Ty Gurley? What can they do? Uh, so on uh, actually their their first play of the game uh, against the Falcons, uh, the Rams uh, motioned. Uh, they were in, uh, you know, they had, they had two receivers tight uh, and one guy kind of in a, like a tight slot with a receiver spread out on the other side, uh, they motion around, ended up getting into basically a bunch look. So they motion, uh, the, uh, the tight, really tight end, who is, uh, in H back position over. And then they actually motion the wider receiver inside of that guy. So they kind of changed the way they aligned in their bunch. And why are they doing that? They're doing that to set up blocking angles to, for the backside, uh, really of the zone. Uh, so, they are running the zone play, like the, the Bengals have seen quite a bit of this year, where uh, the handoff actually comes on the side opposite uh, of the zone blocking. And, you know, the big thing here, and this happens a few times in this game, is they don't get to the Mike Backer. So, uh, you know, they've got a good, solid, you know, base blocks from uh, their left tackle, their left guard, uh, you know, some good blocking from the tight ends and, uh, excuse me, tight end and receivers, uh, on the backside, picking things up. Uh, but really it's, it's that Mike running through on them and the Mike runs through on them because, um, you know, the combo bot block and Austin Blythe, the right guard, he's really just gearing down towards, uh, towards the nose tackle who's in a one, All right, This is an under front. The nose tackle is in a one technique. All right. And, he didn't even see that Mike really run by him. He kind of like turns all the way around and almost tries to chase him. Mike runs right by him, though. So he gets way too committed to that. The, the nose steps across the center's face right away. The second that happens, the guard on the combo block should be working up to the next level. Uh, he doesn't. He gets by. Uh, you know, Deion Jones gets into the backfield, and that is a tackle for a loss of one on the play uh, now another thing that you can do and the, and the falcons uh, did this at one point later on uh, and the Bengals can do is in running situations send that mic you know, just send him uh, you know you obviously got to work out the coverage behind it and everything uh, but blitz that guy he can you know he can run through uh, and that's gonna that's gonna screw them up that's gonna cause them a lot of problems if you send that guy on through. Uh, and get him through fast where he's unblocked which has been you know obviously a big issue for the Bengals uh, has been having you know their backers get there on time just send them just you know that's the way the coach can make it happen the guys aren't making the reads all right well you make the reads for him tell them to go all right so later on that same drive uh, this is a formation that you see a lot out of the Rams. They came out and they were, in, I would call it wing twins. All right. When I say wing, I mean, there's a tight end and an H back on the same side and twins is obviously two receivers, all right? These twins happen to be uh, a little on the tighter side. Uh, so, Hey, that's a heavy run formation. That's something the Bengals have had trouble. And you've, you've seen me talk about how the Bengals have had trouble uh, aligning to that formation uh, and really accounting for all the gaps. The uh, the Falcons, matchup you know it's an eight-man box that they get into against it uh which is good and uh you know just to kind of take a look at at what happened there wing twins jet motion we just talked about the mic backer you know they got to block the mic backer they didn't block the mic backer before and uh you know guess what that jet motion you know that affects the backers it takes the backers out of it a little bit so when that motion comes it really helps to set up that block and there's two really inside backers here. And with that jet motion, those guys get flowing. And left tackle Andrew Whitworth. Remember him? Yeah. We all felt much better when he was around. And uh, the center, Brian Allen, they're able to get up to these linebackers. So they got that thing all blocked up. All right. Uh, and then they they uh, everybody's... You know, going uh, zone stepping to the right, except the tight end, the wing or H-back, Gerald Everett, who uh, comes screaming across, right? I call that a swipe play where he swipes across the backfield and blocks out on the defensive end. All right. So, common, you know, common way to run the inside zone. Now, what don't they have blocked here is that cutback player. Okay. That that extra guy in the box, uh, you know, really becomes an extra guy because of the motion so the motion helping them out with the linebackers uh, but that inverted player who's over the receiver he shuffles into the box he becomes that cutback player and they've got nobody to block him and you know he he really what forces Gurley uh, to take that take that inside and kind of run into uh, into his offensive lines back run into the running the guards back uh, and ends up being a one-yard gain in the play so have a cutback player You know, the cutback has been something that uh, you know the Bengals have struggled with, and you know their alignments, being able to have that that uh, extra guy, that guy folding into the box. Um, You know, and overall, like defensive backs making tackles was a struggle early in the year. Then they've gotten a little bit better with, uh, but you know, folding that guy into the box that's something that the Bengals uh, can do. You know, to have that cutback player to take this sort of thing away. All right, so even though it was a bad day overall. Uh, for Gurley and for the run game, um, you know, it wasn't on every single play. And, you know, this is, this is really an example of that. Uh, so here it's the, it's the same thing formationally. You know, the receiver starts uh, on that wing side uh, and motions over, all right, and really gets into the, the twin's wing look. Uh, but then they, then they uh, send that jet motion again. So, all right, so they're going to send that jet motion again. Now, this time, they've only got one backer in the box, all right? So, you know, even including this guy, and before I was calling it an eight-man box, and I was including the guy who comes in late um, after the jet motion, you know, it's going to end up being a seven-man box here. And that's going to change the play, and that's going to change the assignments on the play a little bit. So, really, it's the same thing that, you know, they're they're zone blocking. They're bringing Gerald Everett around, all right? Uh, The jet motion makes that backer flow so we're taking care of the mic right what we talked about the, you know in the first play was they the problems with the mic taking care of that mic with that with that jet motion. Now because there's not a second player in the block uh, excuse me in the box the second linebacker in the box, Wit doesn't have to release up all right before uh, the, the center was going to the mic wit was going to the, the other uh, inside backer. now he doesn't have to so he blocks back on the defensive end. So Gerald Everett, as he swipes across, he's able to work up and block that cutback player. Now, not a great block um, by Everett by by any means, um, but, you know, he is able to make that block. It's getting a body on it, and, you know, that guy's not just showing in the gap and forcing the tight cutback like he did earlier in the game. So here in the third quarter, you know, with this, uh, you know, formational uh, – this alignment by the defense um, – that allows them to get another body in there to block that extra guy that they weren't blocking before. And guess what? Now it's a gain of eight. You know? so, so that's the difference in being able to block that cutback player, uh, takes a, a bad play, a one-yard gain uh, from earlier, and uh, turns it into a gain of eight on the play. So that's the importance of the cutback player. The Bengals have to make sure they have a cutback player. That guy knows what he's doing. And he can shift and get into the box. With these jet motions, You know, that creates an opportunity to do that when you're not mad your man, obviously that guy's running uh, with the jet motion. Uh, but when they are in any type of zone and this sort of thing happens, that should be an alert. That should be, you know, a, you know, a light going off uh, in the head of, of that defensive back uh, saying, hey, this could be that. You know, hey, the motion's going away. It could be a run. I'm going to be the cutback player on this. So um, definitely something that they need to be thinking of uh, and, and aware of Having that cutback player uh, is going to be a big part of trying to stop this running game. All right, so I talked a little now about some things that the Bengals can do, some defensive things that gave the Rams some troubles. Uh, But I really think Gurley's hurting himself, too. You know, he's made some suspect reads. Um, You know, know, things happen fast. You know, so sometimes it's just kind of the speed at which, you know, things come about. Uh, can make things difficult, but uh, you know he's definitely had some troubles. Uh, so we're going to look at a play in the the first half uh, where uh, they're in a bunch and they're running a zone play opposite uh, of the bunch. So the uh, left guard is able to get up to the to the linebacker. They're trying to run you know run that zone play, and you know really here Gurley's looking. At the blocks on the defensive line, you know, that's, and that's that's how you read zone. You read, uh, you know, inside out on those on those blocks on the defensive line. And if you look at uh, the first block, right, left guard's out of there. He reaches up. All right, why is he out of there? He's out because the center Brian Allen has done a great job, really, uh, reaching and getting a reach block on the two technique. So he does an excellent job with that. That's a really good block. All right, now Whitworth struggles a little bit, All right? So that's the next block, that's the block outside. You know, he kind of bases the guy up right away uh, and it's uh, Adrian Claiborne, you know, it doesn't really get any movement. And then, you know, from the initial look, Gurley's seeing Witt's butt in the hole, right? So with where Whitworth was initially on the block, he's thinking, I got to go inside of Whitworth. And with where Brian Allen is that on the block? He's thinking I got to go outside of Brian Allen, so there's only one option. All right, that's where he's taking that thing. Uh, but then this happens, you know. Wit loses. Uh, Wit loses on the block. Clayburn gets on the inside, like, and you know he kind of tries to bang it up there once that once that happens. Uh, but you know, so that's a that's a rough block. Um, you know, probably. Uh, you know, like 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 I look at the read a little bit, and like I said, I understand that. Uh, the initial read told him to go inside. You know that's what happened. and Then the defender makes a good play there, uh, so you know wit's block really hurts him on that. So later in the game, uh, we've got an, a, another example here, and and this is really you know Gurley being indecisive and, and Gurley, in, in my estimation, just making a bad read in the long run. Uh, so it is that wing twins look again, but this time probably to help him out with the blocking angles. They take the wing and put him inside uh, of of the tight end. Uh, so they shift around to get there. Now again, you know, they're, they're running, uh, they're running at the wing side. And, you know, if you look at the blocks on that side of the D line, all right, the, um, the three technique here, uh, the guy just outside, uh, outside shoulder of the guard, um, you know, he's, he's like, knees getting bent. He's getting rolled up on, you know, the Mike backer is coming in to the inside. So, you know, that, that combo block, uh, is you know really successful there, so you know definitely want to go outside of that. They've opened up that hole. Now they've got you know that that wing look there, and it's really you know a tight end and a receiver with uh, with Higby and, and Josh Reynolds uh, in the backfield. So Higby is matched up. Reynolds you know goes off and blocks on uh, you know the uh, the outside player there, uh, the the outs- the invert player there, right? So strong safety, outside linebacker type position. And Higby's man-to-man uh, blocking on the defensive end. Now, the end, right away, tries to come inside. And again, Higby, Everett, they're not great blockers. You know, uh, they're, they're not great blockers. So, um, you know, him against Tack McKinley, I like, I like Tack McKinley in that. So, you know, right away, yeah, you want to go outside of that, uh, that first block, that inside block, uh, b- but, hey, as soon as you see a little bit of red in that gap, Gurley should take this thing outside, all right? There's an unblocked player out there. He's a corner. You know what? Get to the edge and, and break a tackle from a corner. A corner. You're, you're Todd Gurley. You're much bigger than Char and him, and corners generally don't like tackling. So just do it. I mean, that's where that thing should go. But, you know, overall, he's just really indecisive. He just kind of hopping around in the hole a little bit. I mean, if, if he would have just banged this thing to the inside right away, I would have been fine with that, too. He's getting more than the yard that he got, you know? So better reads, more decisiveness. Uh, so, you know, the problems that Gurley's having, you know, there's some scheme, as we, as we discussed before. Um, there is, you know, off offensive line issues from time to time. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's on Gurley as well.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge...
1: All right. Well, the Bengals are heading overseas this week. uh, So it is only fitting that we bring in uh, for this week's guest the man who I have personally declared the voice of the Bengals in the UK, (laughs) uh, Paul Harris. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh,
3: the voice of the Bengals in the UK. That I feel all suddenly very responsible. All of a sudden,
1: <laughs> uh, don't don't worry. Uh, as uh, as we've talked about, nobody's listening anyway, right? Okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> when you're when you're when you're 0 Seven, people stop paying attention. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. Uh, right.
1: But yeah. you should be listening. Uh, and uh, you know, Paul's got a great podcast, uh, the Cincinnati or podcast. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely worth checking out. Now there's a lot of quality Bengals content out there and I want to make this clear, uh, cause I, I realize people only have so much time on their hands. Uh, sometimes, uh, I'm always driving around all over the place. So I have a lot of time for podcasts, but not everybody has that. So, uh, download everything. It's, you know, that doesn't take up any of your time and listen when you can, you know, we, we appreciate you listening, but you know, just, just keep downloading and it's there when you want it. So, Um, but, uh, but I, I digress. So Paul, uh, let's, let's get right to it, man. Um, the Bengals are, uh, it ain't looking pretty. Uh, we're sitting at 0 and 7. Um, how are, you know, what are, what are your thoughts, uh, kind of basically on the season and and what is your mental state of mind as a Bengals fan? (laughs) Matt, you told me that we weren't going to talk about football in this, in this interview.
3: I'm disappointed. Um, no, I mean. It's it's the nightmare scenario, isn't it? I mean, I think Zach. I mean, they didn't add significantly uh, to the team in the off season. They had another horrendous stroke of luck with with their first rounder going down, Jonah Williams, which was who was supposed to be you know bookend kind of leader on the offensive line. That kind of went well. That plan went down the as we say over here down the Swanee pretty quickly. Um, and then all these retirements on the line, and and suddenly Zach is Zach Taylor is already fighting a losing battle when before the the season starts. Now, you know, it is the nightmare scenario because everyone hoped that. Uh, well, I, I'm pretty sure everyone demanded this. A great majority of Bengals fans, both over here and over there, demanded a new a new direction, a new head coach, and we got that. And I think we approached the uh, the new season with some cautious optimism. Obviously, Zach had never really called plays before. He was very young. Well, he still is. Still is very young. So, But we hope this sort of fresh in- impetus would kind of reinvigorate both the franchise and also the players on the team. Because I say, he inherited pretty much Marvin's team, really, when you look at it.
0: Um,
3: mm-hmm. Now, one of the scenarios could... Well, various scenarios right Zach would come in and breathe new life and he would get more out of the players or a fresh approach would invigorate the players right mm-hmm. and they would be a different team or at least a better team second scenario would be a, a lot of the national media in the states were saying this guy's too inexperienced you know his coaching staff was, was hired too far down the line and they're inexperienced as well and uh, they, the Bengals are going to be picking in the top three. And unfortunately, uh, that scenario has kind of unfolded, which is such a shame, I think. Such a shame. And it's kind of heartbreaking, really.
1: Yeah, it really stinks. I mean, you know, I always tend to look at things like there are a lot of different ways to to go about things. And Zach Taylor was not the guy that I wanted um, and I, there are some definite holes on his resume that are concerning, um, but you know, as a Bengals fan, uh, you you've gotta you gotta at least have some optimism in the off season, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> have some wishful thinking. So uh, I always kind of try and see a path to success with whatever they're doing, um, and yeah, you know, really was hoping that we'd see something out of the guy, uh, whether it be just. His youth being something that would, uh, you know, young coaches, young coaches, you know, generally win, at, you know, by having some energy, having something, you know, specific that can kind of get the team going, where it be, you know, their brain or, or just their personality. Um, yeah, sure. you know, and he, I think he
3: just has a good personality.
1: I think yeah. he, he's a, he comes across as a
3: great guy. He's honest. He's passionate. Uh, he's obviously a bright guy as well. Uh, but you, ho- you were hoping for something a bit like what's happening in Arizona at the moment. They started off poorly, but Kingsbury has got them going again now. What, they're 3-3-1 three, three and one or something like that? And they look they look as though they're progressing. And I think that's what we wanted to see, progression, uh, as kind of some sort of upward turn. And, I mean, we, we're even worse than last year. I mean, we are... 90s yeah. bad. I mean, <laughs> historically
1: bad this year. I mean, somewhere Marvin Lewis is laughing and thinking, "Ha you get me. I said on the
3: podcast a few year, a few weeks ago, uh, our podcast rather, that I could just envisage Marvin in a in a, like a string vest on his porch with a little kind of tumbler of bourbon, looking out into the the kind of sweltering Arizona night, and kind of just. <laughs> Having a big cigar and just loving life basically, and uh, well, you know, good luck to him, um but yeah, certainly Zach's not worked out so far, and uh, it's it's really disappointing, really disappointing
1: yeah and and I mean there's two aspects to it, so you know there's the the head coach you know who should be getting the whole team going, he's got to have an overall philosophy, got to be able to motivate the whole team. Uh, and really change the culture of the organization. Uh, mm-hmm. But then when you hire a young offensive mind, uh, like the Bengals did, like the Cardinals did, like a lot of teams are doing nowadays, um, you expect at a very minimum that you're going to be good on offense. Yeah, um, and, absolutely. And that's really the advantage to hiring an offensive coach. And, and, and Marvin Lewis actually pointed this out before he took over the defense himself. Uh, but it's absolutely true. It As a head coach, you can call an offense because you're there for all of it mm-hmm. uh, as a as a defensive head coach, it's a little bit tougher to do that because you kind of have to be around you know, you can't be making adjustments on the sideline. you have to be around the offense because that's when important things like timeouts and you know uh challenges and man- you know game management things come about and you know so so hiring him, you'd at least like to say, okay, Andy Dalton, you know we're gonna rejuvenate his career. Um, you know why can't he do what golf can do? You know, let's get him going on it. But man, I mean, like they can't even—they're they're rarely even trying to scheme receivers open, and they got to I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, you know, I—I I, like—I uh, like Tate. I like the uh, the rookie Willis who got a little time early. Um, you know, and but these are guys that can't really create separation on their own. Like uh, we got Alex Erickson out there. Catching a bunch of balls, uh, mm-hmm. just because he's the only guy that can that can you know run fast enough to get open. Um, so I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird it's honestly, that he's not creating that scheme. Yes, even even just trying to mimic McVeigh to be you know a, you know enough of a cheap ripoff of McVeigh to to have a productive offense.
3: Um, yeah, I, I kind of I do agree, and that is, I mean, I think I you know sort of. Pre season predictions. I think I said, look, I think this has got an eight and eight uh, season written all over, but I, I tell you what, I think this might be a fun off with the pieces that we've got on paper, right? Mm-hmm. And this was before AJ went down, this was, was before Ross went down. Um, I thought, you know, even with the offensive line we have, which could be a disaster, um, I expected us to at least be a fun offensive a fun offence to watch. I thought we'd get some nice chunk plays, it, you know, but we, we'd be suffering some growing pains, right? That's, that would only be natural with a first year head coach, especially with someone who's so inexperienced as Zach. I, I just, yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm just, I'm just totally shocked at how inept we are in the running game. Even after, you know, you look at last year, we had a terrible offensive line last year and Joe Mixon managed, I mean, they managed to open some hole enough, holes for him to become the AFC's leading rusher, which now when you look at what's going on now, it's, it's night and day. It's kind of what the hell has happened. But I will say this. I do, I do wonder how much of his playbook he's able to use just because the offensive line is so awful. Uh, you saw it yesterday, certainly in the second half, they were getting beat. I mean, I know the Jags have got some good people up front with your, you know, Josh Allens and your Kellage and your, uh, Campbells and, you know, people of that ilk. But they were just getting swamped. And I do wonder, you know, whether they just don't have the personnel to kind of, you know, kind of carry out what Zach Taylor wants them to. I'm, yeah, not, it's, not, it's I'm not trying to shift the blame. I'm not, you know, I think Zach yeah. has to be accountable. That's the word he often uses. Uh, but I do think some of this is mitigated by by the injuries and the fact we're starting a fourth string left tackle. Um, you know, now some of the decisions. Obviously, I'm looking at Bobby Hart. I'm looking at what they. I think they have ruined Billy Price, for instance. And when I want to say they, I mean Jim Turner. Um, you know, um, some of the decisions are questionable. But really, I mean, the offensive line is so bad. I do wonder whether that is just kind of hampering the whole scheme and the whole playbook
1: yeah and you know you look at uh when McVay got to the Rams what did he do he he went to Cincinnati and hired a left tackle uh so you know that that was definitely something that you know coming out of that system that uh you know the they saw a uh, benefit uh to to beefing up the offensive line uh and really setting that up uh, I think a lot of the tight formations that the Rams run and that we see in this Bengals offense, mm. um, they can make things tough on you. Like It creates a lot of opportunities to get things open in the pass. It c- can create some, some good angles in the run game as well yeah. uh, for blocks. But the, the problem that you have is um, as the offense constricts, the defense constricts. And if the defense is constricted and you're trying to pass the ball, they can blitz Anybody they want, right. uh, you know, whereas like when they get out and they're in a you know a traditional trips formation or an empty formation, you know, defenders had to get out wide. They got to be sneaking in if they're going to be blitzing. So the offensive line has some type of indicator. But if you don't have an offensive line uh, and you're running those tight formations and they've got nine guys essentially in the box, you're you're putting yourself in a bad spot. Um, I mean, I'm sure the nine guys in the box isn't going to help obviously with the running game either. As you pointed out, the massive decline despite essentially the same personnel. Um, yeah. You know, really, I mean, other than boiling, you know, it's not really any worse. I wouldn't think. Um, but yeah, definitely disappointing. Uh, the oil is a great example, um, but you know, I think a lot of players on defense, you can say the same about how players are regressing. You know, Andy Dalton's the truest example. Andy Dalton wasn't bad last year. Um, but, you know, players, uh, this staff is getting less out of the majority of their players. I think Sam Hubbard, Andrew Billings, um, and, you know, probably Eifert and John Ross, I guess, you know, would be. I'm sorry, not Eifert. Uh, uh, Boyd and John Ross would be exceptions. You know, uh, some of those guys are getting a little bit more out of, actually. Aud and Tate, I guess. Uh, but yeah, the mo- most of these guys look worse in this the scheme that they're running than what they were running a year ago.
3: Yeah, I agree. I can't disagree with that at all. Really, uh, you just hope that they will, in time, begin to maybe it's just a growing pants thing, maybe, or maybe you know Zach Taylor is trying to hit square pegs into round holes. He's determined to kind of, as you say, this tight bunch formation. This it pretty much. A high percentage of 11 personnel. There's no usage of tight ends despite signing these tight ends for and drafting a tight end. You could go through it, Matt, honestly. It's kind of a yeah. bit a bit of everything.
1: I mean, you, you know, on that note, same thing with Geo. They just re-up Gio and they barely use him. Yeah, um,
3: yeah absolutely. I mean,
1: who, by the way, there is a guy who's fast and can create separation, and we yeah. have seen very little of him lined up at receiver uh, yeah. despite the mounting injuries at that position. Um and
3: yet and yet we still see flashes from people, even on defense. I mean, Vigil yesterday was was okay, you know, made some good tackles yesterday. And um, you know, Preston Brown kind of stopped that fourth and one on the goal line. You know, we're seeing bits from Josh Tupu, we're seeing bits from we are seeing bits from Sam Hubbard, but not consistently.
1: Yeah. I yeah, Tupu's a great example too. I mean that, that is another guy who who has stepped up this year. Um yeah so, yeah so there are some there are some guys, but it's just you, you know on a whole it's it's you know it, it seems like it's the same guys, but they're worse um you know, yeah on, I think that's, on, that's really disheartening
3: to me that's you you as i say you wanted to at least see a bit of progression, you wanted to see zach and his 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 coaching staff kind of bring some New stuff out of players. Well, they certainly have, but a, a lot of. Players, <laughs> and you look at J- Jesse Bates, for instance. He's, he's playing better these past two weeks, but he started off the season
1: horribly. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Bates. Uh, you know, Jackson hasn't played very well this year either. You know, some 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 key guys, big time guys. Um, eh, Lawson, of course, is injured again, uh, but you know we'll, we'll like to see him take a step forward. Um, and yeah it's just uh yeah, it has been very uh very difficult very disheartening um Absolutely. You know, on that note i think the biggest regression has to be andy dalton um oh. where where do you stand on uh on Dalton and the future of the uh the quarterback position <laughs> um yeah i i thought
3: Andy Dalton was symptomatic and emblematic of the Marvin Lewis years actually i thought he was a you know, I've never been a huge fan of Dalton, but I admire him in lots of different ways. You know, uh, I always thought that um, he was always good but not great, which is something that you can probably level at Marvin as well as a head coach. Um, and I think he was inconsistent. You know, sometimes you'd have one, it, sometimes in one series, you know, one down would be a perfect pass, the next would be some sort of head-scratching, throwing into triple coverage, right? Um, I, he started off fantastically well last year. As good as I'd seen him throw the ball, actually, he had real zip on his passes in those first three, four games last season. And then he regressed, and then obviously the injuries took hold, and, and that was it. Uh, this year, I don't see the ball coming out very well at all. Whether he's been spooked by the poor player of the offensive line, and that's kind of screwed with his head and, and kind of mental state, I wouldn't blame him, to be honest with you. But just the way the ball's coming out, I mean, again, yesterday was a great example. Uh, he underthrew Tyler Boyd uh, when he was wide open, had like two, three steps on A.J. Boye. Uh, he, he kind of, a few love, beautiful passes, one to Ericsson that, that Ericsson really well, he would have taken it to the house I would have thought um, and then some real head scratching moments, Some a lot of balls either behind his targets or way in front and thankfully you've got Auden Tate to make Dalton look you know, <laughs> at least competent um, Yeah, I don't know, I think he has regressed a lot this year, I think Frustration is etched all over his face. I don't blame him 100% because I think he is playing behind a line that he just doesn't trust. Um, I do think this is the last year for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, though. I do, I do think that. But then again, saying that, I would not be surprised if he's retained. Now, I don't know about extended, but retained for his final year. I wouldn't be surprised because that's just the way... The Bengals work right. They're not as they're not as ruthless or as cutthroat as they really should be, and they're loyal. and And loyalty is fantastic, but they're loyal almost to a fault, you know. Uh, and uh, I do think it's time to move on. I think Taylor admires him, but I think I just think Taylor will will want to get his own guys in at the end of this year. I really do. Now, whether that's you know using a top three uh, pick on a quarterback, which I think most people expect and actually want. Um, and keeping Dalton on just to kind of, you know, mentor him, which would be a very Bengals thing to do, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I do. I feel sorry for Dalton. And it's always weird, isn't it, in sports when you've got a guy, you know, there's a lot of Dalton fans here in the UK. You know, there are a lot. Um and it's always weird in sports when you've got a guy who's played for the same team eight, nine, ten years. Uh, it, but sport is cyclical, and you know there will be another superstar quarterback along in a few few months' time. One would imagine. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the, the organisation needs a shot in the arm. I think the team needs a shot on the arm, and I think you know i do think being a quarterback and the uh, the figurehead of the team i think this might be it for andy Dalton
1: Yeah, um, I, I would tend to agree with you there, and, and he's a guy that I I've I've always been a supporter of. I mean, I do think you can win with him, and I think they never did a very good job.
3: Yeah, of, I must say um, this, man.
1: Uh, I I do I
3: do think at his best, I think you can win with him. My yeah. problem with Andy Dalton is is consistency. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's, um, that's my you know, big problem with Andy.
1: It's probably rough for you, uh, you know, in the in the UK uh, to watch, uh, you know, Monday night football, which should be even if you're watching it live, uh, Tuesday morning football for you. Yeah, uh, right. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, when he gets into those primetime games, you know, and and uh, and really national TV on any level, playoffs. Primetime, even just a four o'clock, uh, Eastern game. Uh, it's, it's incredible how he just, he just seems to be terrible in all of those games. Um, and you know, that's now we're seeing it even worse this year, despite the fact that, uh, they're not going to be on national television all year. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's rough. Um, and, and honestly, you know, overall, uh, the way things are going, um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes, and and I'm you know wondering if, um, like you said, this this organization can be loyal and they can be stubborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm wondering if the new direction is going to take a, a sharp turn in in you know, terms of the staff as well. Um, you know, in, in in that gets us into a, kind of a bigger conversation, I guess, uh, about the idea of of tanking. Uh, you know, and at this point. Do you want the Bengals to win a game? Um, you know, are you just thinking about the future? Are you just thinking about that draft pick? I think it's interesting. Um, you know, because I, I think I, I could see that there could be a cultural difference. Uh, you know, with this sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, what is what is your take on uh, on that? The idea of tanking for the pick.
3: It's an interesting one, and I do think it it differs differs. Uh, from person to person, actually. It's such a divisive issue, actually. (laughs) Um, Even over here, you know, people do want us to tank. Uh, People do want us to look for the future straight away. Um, I'm kind of... I'm not into tanking, personally. Um, I know a lot of listeners and readers of Cincy Jungle are, and they'll probably be throwing their laptops or phones or whatever they're listening to (laughs) <laughs> uh, this out of the window and these stupid limies and Brits. They don't know what they're talking about. I hate tanking. I hate the very concept of it. I understand that there's a desperate need for change and I want it too. Uh, I understand that uh, this thing needs to be blown up. I totally understand that there's nothing left to play for in terms of playoff aspirations or even, you know, let's face it, a winning season. I just think tanking is an insult to the fans who pay to go and see them and an insult to people like me who pay, you know, $150 a year to watch on Game Pass. Uh, I also think, um, I think tanking is really dangerous in terms of motivation and also um, health, actually, of players, you know. Um, I'm just not into it. I want my, and there's plenty of, People over here who think the same as me, but then again, there's plenty of of fans over here that will argue. Well, you know, if we don't get a top one, two, three quarterback, uh, sorry, a pick in the next year's draft, there's no way we're going to get that kind of linchpin to build from. You know, so I'd, I'd get the argument. I just hate the very concept of tanking. I don't want to see any team that I support go out and uh, lose on purpose, really. Um, I still think that we're going to be picking in the top three, regardless of whether we tank or not. Uh, The talent on this team is just not there. Um, Now, I actually think if we win like two, three, four games, you know, that's a little bit of momentum and a little bit of confidence, and I think at this point we desperately need it as a team and as a fan base and as a a club, you know. Um, We're still going to pick top five, top six if we finish, say, four and twelve, so Uh, You know, there's at least going to be three quarterbacks in that top five, I would say. Um, So, I mean, I'm I'm against it, but I understand the argument for it. Um, I'm just, I'm personally. And also, I I think tanking isn't necessarily a concept from players. It's a concept from fans, more or less. You know, it's almost like uh, the fans kind of talk about this concept more than, Front mm. offices and certainly players do. You know, players play for professional pride. Whether it's they're sure. playing five dollars or five, you know, fifty thousand, five hundred thousand dollars per game. Do you know what I mean? It, uh, yeah, they've got professional pride, um, and that's what a lot of fans feed off—that pride and that passion. Even though they're terrible, you know, we want to see them battle. We want to see them play with passion you know and that's that's kind of half the battle with fans i think however this team does need you know pretty major reconstructive surgery i think yeah. uh, uh, but i do think we'll be uh, we'll be picking top 5 whether it's whether we tank and i'm doing the whole inverted commas sign there or not
1: yeah and 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 i'm i'm, I'm with you on that uh i'm not a fan of it uh you know for various reasons um, and I I think number one is uh, Andrew Luck isn't in this draft, and you know I think Andrew Luck he had he had injuries that shortened his career, but Andrew Luck was probably the last clear number one quarterback. And and actually, let me take a step back for that. Carson Palmer is not in this draft because Carson Palmer, that dude, was a number one overall pick. Um, and and if. The Bengals would have kept their line healthy. You know, he, he could have been the dude for a long time. Mm. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, I, I, I digress on that. Uh, so the, my thing is the NFL isn't very good at evaluating talent. You know, they're not as good as they have you believe. And, you know, yeah. just look a few years ago when, um, you know, myself and a lot of other people on the Internet were saying, wow, Mahomes and Watson are really good, and the yeah. NFL was in love with Mr. Trubisky. Mm. Um, you know, Trubisky goes number two, uh, you know, um, Mahomes goes 10, and I think Watson was 12. Um, you know, so yeah, I think you're right, the draft is pretty much a crapshoot,
3: really. And um, but you're obviously the, the higher a pick is, the more likely that player is to do
1: the business, right? Oh, um, oh absolutely, but you know, it, but yeah, I mean, what, is, what does it mean? How does that work out? I think, uh, um, you know, at the beginning it was tank for Tua, and I think yeah. a lot of people. With a couple people whispering about Justin Herbert. um, And I think now a lot of people are all of a sudden on Joe Joe Burrow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy was just an Ohio State cast off uh, a a few months ago. Uh,
3: Here's a a, a question that someone asked us on the podcast uh, last week, I think. What would happen if um, we were, say, picking at number three, right? mm -hmm. And uh, some team came in and wanted us to trade. Uh, trade spots, uh, would you, you know, bearing in mind that you get extra picks and all this and all that, would you trade down because we have greater needs on this team than quarterback? Because we have an average quarterback. I don't think there's any, you know, argument against that. A passable quarterback, um, it's not amazing. He's certainly not amazing this year. But, you know, if we did get an extra couple of offensive linemen and remodel the offensive line, Maybe got another, you know. I think we need a bit of pass rush help as well, as well as mm. line backing help. Um, you know, what happens if you get a bunch of picks from trading down out of that top three spot? Um, and again, you can make arguments for for both for both sides on that one. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's tough because you you got to do something about the quarterback spot. To me, with the importance of quarterback in the NFL. Mm. If you can identify your guy, like and and, and you know, we say it's a crapshoot, but like you got to be better than that as an organization. You know, we you know we can say it's a crapshoot, but yeah. you know, the Bears had, should have been better at that than they were. Um, you know, the Chiefs did a great job. The Chiefs didn't have that pick. The Texans didn't have that high of a pick. They saw the guy. They knew it was a game. They knew those guys were game changers, yeah. and they went up and got them. Um, so to me. I don't care what the offer is if you are looking at uh Tua Tagovila and you're like that's the guy. He is yeah. our guy. Then you know, you should give up whatever you have to to get him or and you in you know and you shouldn't uh, give him up for anything.
3: Yeah, you shouldn't. Um, I tend to agree with you. I think I think this this team and I think this coach actually needs a, the, his guy to work with uh, yeah. and and obviously with the fan base I think if they did trade down, I'd, I think they would
1: be rioting in the streets of Cincinnati. Oh, they'd, they'd, they'd be they'd be crazy. Now here's here's one thing, on. right? And and I'm going to throw this out there. This this is kind of a I I saw this isn't my original idea. I've seen somebody else throw something out there, but let's say you know the Steelers lose a bunch of games, yeah, um, and you know the the Dolphins are sitting there with two top ten picks, but they beat the Bengals, so they don't have the number one, right? So now the Dolphins, they find their quarterback, and, they, and they're certain about it. Maybe the Bengals aren't so, aren't so sure. Maybe they don't love the guys in there. Now, it, de- it really depends on your evaluation of Josh Rosen. But if you can get Josh Rosen, pick up those two high picks... Taking off at to tackle and and uh, chase young the edge edge that would rusher certainly be now, an option. Now that's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. That, no, now no. that's a game changer. If if Josh Rosen, if you know, if you're on the pro side of Josh Rosen, yeah. um, I mean, you know, uh, objectively uh, taking the fan head off for a minute. Uh, Getting traded to the Bengals for his third year is like the only way Josh Rosen's career could get worse. But, uh, uh, but you know, like like something crazy like that, maybe. I guess what I'm trying to get at is the quarterback has to be addressed as part of it, I think. Yeah, uh, I think so. But, but if there's, a, if
3: I, there's I, a way to accrue extra picks and to do some – just make some aggressive moves, that, the kind of aggressive moves – That this organization is not known for, because there are a lot of holes to fill, Um, and we need to. I mean, we need to get better on the offensive line to give a new quarterback any chance whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, So you know there might be some movement. You know there might be some movement in this trade. You know coming up this week in before the trade deadline. I Mm -hmm. personally doubt it very much. I just don't think they're tuned in. Maybe they are. Maybe with Zach on board, that maybe Zach's banging that door of Duke Tobin and saying, say, "Come on, we need to do something." If not for now, next year. Uh, I hope he is. I do hope he is.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think um, you, you know that's something you have to look at with uh, when you have guys going into free agency. I mean, clearly the season's over. Um, you know, if they win, if they win nine straight games they could sneak into the playoffs, but that's literally what it's going to (laughs) take. So um, I I, I don't see any indication that can happen, but um, you know, a popular one is Andy Dalton. If, if you're not intent on bringing, I'm sorry, uh, uh, AJ green. uh, If you're not intent on bringing green back, you know, his contract situation, get something, you know, it's the same, uh, same deal with Tyler Reifert. So um, I don't, you know, I don't know what the value of those guys is, what you're getting, but um, you know, there's certainly some potential to to get some things back for those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, to accumulate accumulate some picks, and and even if it's a, you know, even if you're getting a fourth, fifth round pick, you know, maybe that's something that you package to to move up a little bit in, in a certain round, and 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 take a guy and, and try and get a difference maker. So. Um you know, all, all moving chess pieces and, and things to be able to evaluate. I just hope
3: they start to move them. That's the that's the thing, Matt, isn't it? I mean for too long we've been used to the Bengals not playing not playing the board too well. You know, at least, you know, not making any major moves up and down. They have done a little bit in the last draft and the, the draft before when they when they got Cordy Glenn. That's mm-hmm. not really worked out, but you know <laughs> um so you just hope they're more aggressive certainly more so in free agency because uh, it's going to take that it's going to take a combined trading free agency and draft to kind of get this thing back on the road again i think
1: yeah definitely uh you know things need to come together um so uh you, you know on the, on that note uh just uh, being a bengal's fan uh from the uk uh how how's that come about i mean i i'm somebody that was uh i i'm, I'm not from southern ohio i was born in northern ohio uh, right. so I, I, but uh i my dad was kind of just uh, spiteful of uh of my brother's browns fandom so i became a Bengals fan <laughs> um how uh how and why uh did you become a, a supporter of this team Well, um, would you take it back? (laughs)
3: um, uh, No, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't. I, you know, it's a weird thing. Um, uh, I would not at all. I'm, I'm invested in, I mean, I've been a supporter for 30 years. Um, So uh, I'll take you back to the mid eighties and uh, obviously mullets were in stonewashed jeans and, uh, uh, Sony Walkman's. We were all walking around with those and, Uh, i just started my high school, right? So I fell in, and we're talking like 85, 86 here. And um, uh, I fell in with a new group of friends, as you do when you start a new school, right? You make new friends and all the rest of it. Now, obviously, soccer is the big sport over here. um, But uh, these new friends that I uh, started to hang out with they were really, really into the NFL because the sport, uh, the American football gridiron, whatever you want to call it, it was just starting to get really popular over here in, in a sort of cult kind of level <clears throat> of, of, of popular, you know. Um, the year before the Bears won the Super Bowl and uh, William the Fridge uh, Perry was all over The media, the newspapers over here completely bought into him. They loved him. Uh, One of our terrestrial channels started showing highlights packages every week. And um, so it was almost like a perfect storm. But all these new guys, all these new friends that I'd I'd started to hang out with, excuse me, had, um, you know, support. You know, we're talking about the era of Montana, Marino, all those sort of guys. So those were the most popular players so you had uh, you know I used to hang out with 49ers fans dolphins fans you know and uh, raiders fans the raiders were always popular um and uh, I thought I don't I don't fancy any of these teams really because obviously I was looking for a, a team to support and I started watching the uh, the highlights package on the TV and I saw this left-handed uh quarterback with sort of a shock of blonde hair underneath this helmet which had tiger stripes on and he was kind of flinging it all over the 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 field and I thought goodness me this guy is great and look they they've got like tiger stripes on their on their jerseys and their helmets this team looks like a cool team to support Uh, and that was kind of it and then a couple of years later they got to the Super Bowl and I kind of thought i I've chosen wisely here. <laughs> and then the 1990s happened and I realized I did, hadn't chosen as wisely and um but I think you know once once um one of the around the NFL guys um Greg Rosenthal um I think said this perfectly. He said that when he started coming over here and the around the NFL guys started coming over to London to uh to go to the, to the games. And there's the kind of, there's other, you know, there's stuff around the games that you can go to, like a big parade in, on one of the main streets here in London, that's put on by NFL UK. And, you know, they bring players out and they've got kind of stalls and drinks and around the, around the NFL guys absolutely loved it, you know, and of course, you know, loads of people listen to them. So they were kind of like superstars over here. um But Greg sort of said, this is, this reminds him of fandom, about like 50 years ago in the States, it's very pure because of course we're like four and a half thousand miles away from in this case, or in my case, Cincinnati. So it's that kind of, it's that kind of long distance relationship thing where it's almost as intense, if not more, or it's certainly a different kind of intense than, than a fan being in the same state or even in the same city. And of course we're not, privy to the the kind of politics of the city. We're not privy to the stuff between Hamilton County and, and the and the Brown family and, and and the and the and PBS Stadium, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, the deals that are coming up. We're not privy to to kind of all the all the local um self esteem that's not there with the Bengals. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, do you know what I mean by that? We're not privy to the local feeling we for us it's more of a pure thing uh but saying all that i am i'm not you know i'm totally invested and i think when you pick a team it's it's you you have to support them through thick and thin and we've had more thin than thick but actually this past apart from these past three years We've had a pretty good, uh, pretty good run of things. Getting to the playoffs, you know, five years in a row is not to be sniffed at. And yes, I know that it's a running joke that we kept losing in the first round, but actually getting to the playoffs is, I think, quite an achievement uh, for five years in a row. So we didn't have it too badly. We were relevant in in December and January, you know, and we were generally speaking a a winning team, right? Mm. Um, so we haven't had it too badly. Um, we're having it badly now, very badly. But yeah, so I'm 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 in it for the well. I have been in it for the long haul, and I I'll continue to do so. I think.
1: Yeah. So uh, so would you say that uh, the '80s was kind of that that era when uh, when the NFL was becoming big, like are are a lot of people still. Bears, Forty ers maybe Redskins—you know—type fans uh, over there. Who, who, are the, who are the really popular teams? It's a good question because, like, if you go to if you
3: do ever make it over here to a London game, Matt, it's it, it's an interesting experience because obviously we hear about oh, it's designated a home team for a particular. You know, it was a, it was a Bengals home game against the uh, the Redskins three years ago this time around it's designated as a as a rams game right a home game right but uh, if you go that home away thing in at Wembley or at the new Tottenham stadium is a total misnomer apart from you know you get the cheerleaders out and you get some branding around the stadium it's you know all that kind of stuff but really when you go to a game in london what you see is fans from every every team in the NFL it's not just the teams that are playing—it's, I mean, you—you
1: know—it's it, funny because you uh, you notice that on TV when yeah. they show the crowd shots, there's just random jerseys. Uh, yeah, 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 You know, like you know, like whatever whatever jersey they got, it's not a team there, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost bit... like the the crowds of a uh, like the Pro Bowl or something.
3: Yeah, exactly right, and you know that maybe you could argue takes away from the kind of atmosphere slightly because who do these guys cheer for, right? Um, but um, I think people over here are just so thankful for to see any kind of meaningful NFL game because back in the 80s we had preseason games, you know, Montana and Merino came over for preseason games, and then we had NFL Europe, which I'm surprised they didn't keep going actually. But um, but yeah, people are so excited, whoever they support, to come and see. Uh, an NFL game. I, you know, I've seen Brady play a couple of times at Wembley. I've seen, mm. you know, the the Giants team that went on to win the Super Bowl that year with with Eli and Brandon Jacobs at running back. You know, um, so it kind of and you kind of wear your shirt with pride. You know, it's kind of it's a very not isn't it's a very non aggressive atmosphere, which is kind of weird for for British sport sporting stadiums, especially for yeah. soccer games. There's none of that. I mean, the, the American people that come over have absolutely loved it because it is a different atmosphere completely to what they're used to. It's I say, it's very non-territorial. It's, they're, just, they're just there to watch the game and enjoy the game, you know, uh, not necessarily to support either team. Now, obviously, there'll be plenty of, of uh, Bengals fans and Rams f- fans there on Sunday, but... Um, You know, there'll be Steelers jerseys there. There'll be Browns jerseys there. There'll be, you know, our real rivals' uh, jerseys there. It's it's a weird thing, but it works, I think. And, uh, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it, obviously. I mean, it's a surreal experience. Watching the NFL here is a very, or can be a very, very solitary experience because you've just got social media, which is great. Um and then, if your game isn't on the satellite broadcaster that week it's it's you know you 've got to go to a different room, flip open your laptop and and log into game Pass so it can be a solitary experience because not every town unlike the states has sports bars or whatever showing n f l games so we a lot of us tend to watch it uh on our on our laptops, you know which is why. We first started Bengals UK, you know, and it's my mission, however utopian and ridiculous this might sound, and kind of fluffy and snowflakey. I, I want to connect every Bengals fan in the UK together. That's my absolute mission. Um, and it's, yeah, so far so good. We're doing all right, I think.
1: Uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like y- – y- you don't you don't have a home Bengals field there, so that's uh, that's your community. That's where you come together. So that's a it's an interesting way of looking at it. And um, yeah, you know, I like what you said too about um, you know kind of going back a little bit. You talked about how how pure it is when you are um, you know you're you're picking a team and, and you don't know you know that people are you know arguing about their taxes going up for a stadium or whatever.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, you don't know about all that. And it's just, it's just. Hey, I like that team. I like watching that team. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. and it's. It seems like that's kind of the same sort of thing, um, with, you know, how you're describing Wembley is, well, hey, there's a football game. Well, you know, that's not my favorite team, but there's not an NFL game here every week, so let's yeah, go. Like, <laughs>
3: you know? I might not ever get to see Tom. Tom Brady is in the same town as me. I hate the Patriots, but this guy's. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, so why am I not going to go see him if he's in my hometown? If he's going to play, he's playing about five miles away from my house. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a no brainer. But while I'm there, I'm sure as hell going to represent my Bengals. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, Yeah. it's a weird, it is weird. And when I talk about it and try and explain it, it is very weird, but. It also makes some kind of weird, crazy
1: sense. I think. Yeah, and and I can you know not uh, not to the level of fandom, but um, I can relate a little bit because um, my my parents had a satellite dish, uh, and and when NFL uh, Europe was pretty big, yeah, um, I remember just because because there was a football game on, and it was yeah. it was it was in the spring. There weren't NFL games. So yeah. I just started watching those games, and it was just, it was just, hey, great! There's more football on.
3: Yeah, right, right, right. Uh,
1: and uh, you know, and and I remember getting really into the Amsterdam, Amsterdam Admirals, uh, you know, who happened have, have to over the years have uh, Kurt, Kurt Warner and uh, Adam Vinatieri and uh, future Bengal Kevin Kasemharn on on the teams. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so, that, so that was yeah. some cool stuff, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so like it was, it was more pure cause it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't my, my, my true fandom really. Um, I could see if, if it would have gone on, you know, that I, that I could have gotten, uh, you know, pretty excited about it, especially if I was for some reason star for football here, but yeah, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's it, it, very interesting cause it is, um uh, you know, it, it is something that, that, that I always wonder about. You know, how do you how do you do that? And even, um, you know, I, this is this is like my my dream idea for like a podcast yeah. um, that I, I would have to have a much better budget than I, what I have uh, to do. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it'd probably be great if uh, you, like uh, like an old pro or somebody did it. But um, like just traveling around the country uh, or or overseas or wherever, and like just going to like you know. Montana and just like yeah what sports do you follow and yeah, what, right, just yeah. like why how did that come about you know cuz yeah. you That's see some thing. you see some interesting things and some weird things that you know like just some something happened at some point you know in in life and you know like a bunch of you know like a random town they're all you know, they're all they're all Chicago Cubs fans for some reason. Yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think that's a that's actually a really good idea for a podcast. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll discuss that later on. Um, <laughs> um, I'm furiously writing notes here.
1: Uh, I'm going to. You're going to be able to travel though. You're going to have the budget well, to travel. Yeah, <laughs> budget for that.
3: But yeah, it is interesting, and I think you know over here, it it's you know, listen, it's easy to kind of you know have a little chuckle at those crazy British fans and everything. But um, there is, there are, we're pretty knowledgeable. uh, We're pretty passionate. Um, And I think, you know, the ties between both sets of fans, when you, you know, the weird thing is that each team, when they come over, kind of uh, get a pub given to them and they, they kind of festoon the insides of the pub with, with the colours of their team. So we've got the Admiralty pub in just off Trafalgar Square, London's historic Trafalgar Square. And it was there three years ago. And I tell you what, it was the most insane weekend. Even the American people who are used to packed sports bars screaming and hollering at screens, they couldn't believe it. And I think us British fans get so excited when we're in the same room as other Bengals fans because We only get to discuss Bengals stuff online on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is. But when you're in the same room as a bunch of other Bengals fans, and not only that, a whole pub full of Bengals fans, um, it is the most surreal thing in the world. And also, you just want to talk. It's like you're on amphetamines or something like that. You just cannot stop talking. And, uh, I mean, the last, last time it was, abs- I mean, it was bumper to bumper in that pub for kind of two nights solid. And it was weird because they'd bought, who did they bring over? Anthony Munoz. And they brought over Ken Anderson. Now, I didn't know Kenny was going to be there. And I literally went to the bar and uh, queued for a drink and got to the bar and just turned to my left. And next to me was Ken Anderson. And I was like, right, that's that's Ken Anderson, isn't it? That's the guy that I've only seen on YouTube and should be in the Hall of Fame. That's the NFL Hall of Fame, on the bay, one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever lived. And I'm standing right next to him in London, in this pub. I'm not quite sure whether I'm dreaming or not. <laughs> and dear... Uh, he was he was. So I said hello, naturally, once I'd gathered my thoughts and he was great. He was absolutely great. And uh, in fact, I was wearing a Boomer and jersey that night and uh, he had a go at me for, <laughs> for wearing a Boomer. He was like, where's a Ken Anderson jersey? Um, so I said, Ken, if you want to give me a jersey, I will happily wear it. But uh, so that's the level of surrealism. It's just uh, but it's it's it was so much fun. And, you know, you got to meet people both actually in the state from the States, rather, and in this country who um, you'd only spoken to online. And it just felt it just felt like a, I didn't stop talking for the whole weekend. And then it came to Sunday. I was absolutely exhausted. My liver was kind of like screaming for kind of a rest because uh, obviously there was quite a lot of drinking uh, that weekend and um and then you kind of realize oh there's a there's there's a game to go to now as well, so yeah, i we went to the game, and you know it was a weird game, but it was a fun game um so yeah it's it's an interesting experience being um being a fan in the u k and whenever there, whenever there's any sort of sniff of your team coming over, the fans turn into kind of slavering dogs really after a bit of you know a bit of steak or something <laughs> Do you know what I mean they. Yeah smell it, it's almost like, oh my god, they're in the same town. Oh my god, how am I gonna cope? You know, it's just it's just this pure excitement. It's it's
1: and I'm I'm forty six and I still feel it. It's very yeah. weird. You, you know, um you you described it as a long distance relationship. Yeah. And I was thinking, um, you know, there is the the movie Dogma, they're like sitting at the airport and they're watching people <laughs> come out and they're talking about how, you know, like that, that moment when you pick somebody up at the airport, you forget about everything that's bad in the relationship. And like, you know, and it's just like this moment of joy. Um, so the Bengals are 0-7. Um, are, are, uh, are, are Bengals fans going to open them with welcome arms because this is the only yeah, opportunity they they're going to get and they I miss think them?
3: They or? I, think, I think they will. I mean, everyone's really, really pissed off over here. And... Some I'm I'm trying to be fairly rational about it. You know, it is sports. Sports is cyclical and, uh, you know, we've we've had a reasonable run in kind of the postseason. Now it's time to rebuild. I do think this team will be, if not blown up, but there will be major, major, major surgery conducted on it during the offseason because I don't think Zach will stand for for anything less. I really don't. I, I, yes, I think people are a bit more wary, a bit more, oh God, do I really want to go and see that team that's doing really badly at Wembley? Do I want to spend $100 on a ticket? You know, but I think, uh, you know, they're, 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 they are looking forward to kind of the whole social aspect of the weekend. And you know what, it, it, you know, let's face it, the team will probably get beaten this weekend. Let's hope it's not. Let, I mean, we're just hoping it's not a complete shellacking, um, <laughs> which it could be. But the Rams aren't great this year either. So, you know, there's some hope that perhaps on a completely neutral field, the Bengals away from uh, the Boo Boys at, at PBS, they might think, right, we've got nothing to lose. Let's just throw caution to the wind. Let's just open things up a bit more. And uh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, we're certainly... Yeah, the, the fans will 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 uh, welcome them with open arms, but we'll be welcoming, I think, the fans that are coming home from the states even more.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, you're you're aching for that camaraderie, uh, you know, to to have a place to gather together. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I do uh, really appreciate uh, you taking time to talk to me. Uh, I, Taking up enough of your time, I'm sure you're gonna you get, a, you get a, a get back to your own podcast.
3: Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna record it straight after I finish with you, Matt. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of like, do I be really and um, uh, kind of angry, or I think a few people have requested for me to not actually talk about football at all on <laughs> this episode, um, and I think that's the case. I mean, I, when I started the podcast, I you know we can't compete with you know, in terms of an analysis or whatever with the, you know, the Joe Goodbriz and uh, the Cincy Jungle one, you know, the, the athletic ones or even, you know, the the Inquirer one. So I thought, you know, we don't want to copy you guys either because a lot of British fan podcasts try and copy the, the American podcasts. And I just thought, listen, that's not the way to go. We need to be typically British. We need to have a few beers. We need to almost treat it like an entertainment show, not a football analysis show. Do you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. of course, yes, we talk about football quite a lot. But, you know, we have guests on, we have quizzes, we sing songs. Um, You know, we just, you know, muck about and have a bit of fun, really. And it it feels more like an entertainment show than a hardcore
1: analysis show, I think. Um, Yeah. And you you got to be able to have have a little bit of fun this year, you know, especially. Oh, yeah.
3: so, right, I think you're going to go mad. You're going to jump off the
1: nearest bridge. I think so. So it's 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 like if if it's like if Graham Norton hosted a uh, Bengals podcast.
3: That's the aim. That is definitely the aim. Uh, I hope we we go halfway to that. I hope we're entertaining at least, and um, we do try and have a laugh. And uh,
0: oh. and I think you're
3: absolutely right. You know, we. We tend to record wherever. We're going to be recording from the Bengals pub this Thursday. We're going to be at the Bengals training facility on Friday. So, you know, we're, we're going to be bashing them out there. We're going to see who we can get on. And, uh, but, yeah, we're always going to have a laugh. This is, what, this is what it's all about. Sport is supposed to be fun. And I know the team isn't fun particularly. But if the team's not fun... Then the community has to be fun. Do you see what
1: I mean? So um, yeah, absolutely. I, you uh, know, I, I find it entertaining too because, uh, and sometimes like you have uh, people that like 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 call in, like leave messages, like you know, yes, other fans, and I think it's interesting because sometimes somebody will call in and they'll say something, yes. and it by no means is what they're saying wrong, yeah. But they're just saying it in a completely different way than I would ever think to say it. Right, <laughs> you know, just just the way they phrase it, uh, and it's yeah. interesting for me as a writer because it's like, oh, maybe I should switch it up a little bit and say it like that,
3: yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, but but... that there, it's great because even though we speak the same language as well, there are various words that kind of like even uh, you know a lot of Americans listen to us and absolutely love it, which is very gratifying, you know um, uh, and makes it all the worthwhile, but they kind of say, no, no, no don't 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 drop this these british kind of phrases or whatever we love it you know cuz it just makes us laugh and and so the, you know my co-host nathan has the broadest cockney accent he, he sounds like dick van Dyke in uh, mary poppins you know what i mean uh but he's an actual cockney um so you've got that going on and you know he's got a very he's got a vocabulary all of his own and i'm i'm sure like a lot of our american listeners are furiously googling some of the words and phrases that he
1: says, and uh, yeah, I've, and, I've been guilty of that myself. Yeah, it's, it's, I think in everyone while there's some kind of phrase. And I'm like, that's really interesting. What the does it mean? <laughs> yeah.
3: I think I know what he means, but I'm not quite sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's I think that half that's half the fun, and that kind of adds to I don't know that adds to our unique flavor. I think, and uh, I mean to be honest with you, most of our British uh, listeners have to Google what Nathan says, so that's fine <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, it's all good fun. And if you'd asked me sort of 10 years ago, whether I'd be, you know, talking to, I don't know, Carlos Dunlap on a podcast about the Bengals, I would, I would be laughing in your face for about 10 minutes straight. (laughs) Um, so it's, it's been, it's been so much fun and, um, and we will continue to have fun, you know. I mean, again, it's diff. It gets more difficult when the team's not winning, and obviously, we're not winning at all in any way, shape, or form this season. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still going to have, have have fun, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So, uh, so once again, it's the uh, Cincinnati podcast. Uh, anywhere else they can they can follow you or, or yeah, see well, if you've come. we
3: uh um soundcloud hosts it um but we're also on spotify apple Podcasts, and stitcher so go and search for cincinnata uh we are on twitter at today underscore uk and bengals uk on facebook uh so yeah come and say hello we're a friendly bunch
1: all right well thanks again for joining me and uh hopefully hopefully you can bring up some luck this weekend Fingers crossed, Matt. And I uh, appreciate the time.
3: It was good talking to you, mate. Keep on with the amazing uh, film reviews. I,
1: I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Right. So uh, that's going to be it for today. So honestly, it's it's getting a little tough uh, <laughs> to to bring you new content because there's so much uh, with the Bengals that is repetitive. So many of the Bengals' problems we keep seeing week in and week out, uh, and that's you know not not a very strong endorsement of of the coaching that they're getting that a lot of these problems aren't changing. So um, if you want to hear more about some of the Bengals issues, feel free to, uh, <laughs> to go back and explore the archives, uh, both of the podcast and uh, on Cincy jungle and some of my film rooms, because there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's been the same uh, stick with me. You know, when this team gets better, we're going to have some really cool stuff for you. Um, uh, and, and I, I will keep bringing it, keep breaking down that film and, 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 you know, bringing you some, some fun stuff and, and, you know, giving you an inside eye of what's, uh, what's going on, breaking down these plays. Uh, I do appreciate you joining me, uh, and hoping, you know, hoping to get another win, uh, or excuse me, hoping to get a first win here, uh, and, uh, and do some good things, but, uh, keep an eye out, you know, next week on the bye week, we will be looking at, quarterbacks we will be talking about uh the nfl draft and the quarterback position so come back for that um and uh you know keep on coming back i'm gonna i'm gonna be here we keep losing i'll keep breaking down exactly how we're losing but uh hopefully we get to we get to breaking down why we're winning uh at some point in this season yeah coming